A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode, and I'll look back at Joss Whedon's iconic show. I'm MC, and I'm here with... Hi, it's Andy. Hey, this is David. Hi, it's Jan. And I'm Logan. So, this week we're talking about episode 7 of season 2, Lie to Me. It originally aired November 3rd, 1997, and it was written and directed by our man Joss. And uh, this is actually the first time he's written and directed anything that is not a premiere or a finale. That's true. Yeah, this is the first time he's done something just randomly in the middle of the season. Like, he hadn't even done, like, an actual screenplay before this. The other ones that he's done in the middle of the season have all been story by credits. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure he had, like input on every single script because they've never made a secret of the fact that Josh like rewrote stuff on everything but this is the first time it's like okay this is me I'm doing all of this yeah enough that he could get credit for it and I mean it shows cool. it definitely shows this is hmm. definitely a Joss episode it yes. is mm-hmm. yeah it, very much so it felt very Joss Joss esque yes. the dialogue <clears throat> definitely felt Joss esque thematically it did too I just I don't know I think it's a not so great Joss episode, but you know, we'll see what everybody thinks. Yeah. Oh, I, I well, I, I not um, that it's not, I, I think having just watched this and the next episode, I think we, we've hit the, the point where in the season where they're, they're kind of going more for emotion than caring about plot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I got the feeling is we're getting more character building, you know, just in terms of, nuance and stuff like that i liked it a lot but there's a lot of plot right yeah. that's the thing it's, um, it's it's very character based and and it's great for that i mean there's a lot of great character stuff but the plot kind of suffers yeah the, the plot's <laughs> a bit of a mess but uh, definitely in terms of <clears throat> buffy growing up uh with her everything that she goes over um, the course of the season in her going from being a teenager to being an adult, which I think is what this season was all about. Uh, this is kind of one of the first episodes that really uh, addresses that for the first time, where it's like, not everybody's bad, not everybody's good. Okay, so starting at the beginning of this episode, um, how freaking criminal is that mother with the kid? It's like, oh, yeah, yeah and she's always late. It's like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. That, that's, that's not late. That is, she's not coming. Neglect. That's just like, <laughs> I'm abandoning my child in the playground. It's just crazy. It's always like, I'm leaving my kid out in hopes that a vampire will come and eat my child. <laughs> right, you live in Sunnydale. You know yes. that you live in Sunnydale. And even yeah, though she you, knows yeah. she lives in Sunnydale, it'll just be another mysterious day. Right, I mean, you mm-hmm. may not know vampire, but... Come on. You know like, that people die. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my mother frequently left me on playgrounds because she would forget to come and get me. Uh, hi, mom. Um, but she did it when, like, she would forget to come get me 
when school let out at two and it would be three and the PE teacher was calling home a bunch of times. So mm-hmm. like right. not at night. Right. No, this is, yeah. this is clearly like, like night, night. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy's on control. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's, so not, it's not, you know, the sun sets in Sunnydale at like seven thirty. It's, it's pretty late. Well, actually, yeah. actually sets at, I believe six thirty seven. As we find out later <laughs> oh, in the episode. Oh, yeah, whatever. Well, I don't trust that Ford can read an animal okay. clock, so let's just move on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Buffy's on patrol, but Drusilla is also on the hunt. And this is the first time we've ever seen Drusilla outside of uh, Spike's little lair. Um, Yay, Drusilla. And, and Drusilla on her own. Well, I mean, like, she'll meet up with with Angel, but uh, Drusilla without yeah. Spike. So we actually get to see a Drusilla dynamic that is not with Spike, which is super interesting. And I have to admit, the first time I ever saw this episode, I thought Drusilla might be Angel's sister. Oh, interesting. Mm. Oh, like, very that first conversation that they have, it's like... It, because we kind of we knew that Angel had killed his entire family, and Drusilla's talking about like you know mummy and you know how oh. Angel killed her and everything, and I was like, oh my god, are they siblings? Of course. By the end of the episode, I'm like, huh. unless they're really creepy ass siblings, and probably not. Unless they're like Lannisters, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Um, Targaryen. Oh, it's Targaryen. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, both. Lannisters, too. Yeah, no, I I love this scene. This is actually, and I don't actually love this episode that much, but I love this scene. I always have. It's one of my favorite Drusella moments of the Mm -hmm. entire series. Um, It's it's really the first time we see Drusilla as Drusilla, not just as the sort of... uh, not Spice just a, not just invalid. the invalid. Yes, this is the first time we see mm-hmm. Drusilla yeah. active, if you will. Yeah, because mm-hmm. until now it's been she's been kind of oh, I'm sick and spikes and spikes all <laughs> like they're there, love you be fine. And here she's really taking an initiative for the first yeah. time. She's out. She's What's hunting, that? and then she's confronting Angel. Of course, I mean I know Angel feels guilty about everything he did to her. But she just tried to kill a kid. Why aren't you killing her, Angel? <laughs> right. <laughs> he doesn't even, like, admonish her. It's just like, oh, yeah, kid, go home. Hi, how you doing? I haven't seen you in a hundred years. Well, stupid Angel, yeah. stupid well, guilt. Angel, <laughs> as, as pointed out later, yeah, as pointed out later, you know, he's been honing his brooding skills for, like, I however many idea. years. Yeah, so, yeah. so he has to have a good, a good brood way. before he kills anybody. It's, uh, yeah. you know, but... Yeah, I, I got more of a familial vibe also, which is why it's mm-hmm. interesting that Buffy, like, watching them from the ramparts, suddenly has decided that they're, like, hot and heavy. I mean, it, well, I mean she's yeah, not they're wrong. interacting, but... Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I don't I don't get that vibe from them in that conversation, yeah. really. Well, I think that's because it's between Angel and Drusilla, not Angelus and Drusilla. Um, right. Obviously, his guilt and his brooding, I think it, I mean, clearly changes the way he interacts with her. He has such a, a grief surrounding mm-hmm. her that it would seem familial mm-hmm. because he's despite everything that drew is it's everything he made her mm-hmm. and um he kind of i think the way he got a second chance i think he wants the same for her yeah 
even though it may not be possible. As we see later on, the way the vampire dynamics work, especially with the Fanged Four, is it is kind of familial. Like uh, Spike and Angel really do kind of fight like brothers, and there is mm-hmm. this twisted kind of father lover brother thing with Drusilla and Angel and Darla and yeah, it's 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 like this really twisted incestuous thing with the vampires i don't yeah. really get it sure. the, they're vampires it's what they do but i don't i just think that buffy kind of jumps to like the worst conclusion first it's like he's talking to a woman yeah you don't know who she is it's weird she's in old clothes but it doesn't mean that he's banging her like that yeah many. but she's well, 16 to, to be fair yeah. right, this true. is what buffy does mm-hmm. i mean this, <laughs> is, this is just her her yeah. standard operating procedure is oh worst case scenario a lot of insecurity which, and I don't want to say daddy issues, mm-hmm. but daddy issues. She's got some yeah. abandonment issues. She's mm-hmm. super insecure. Because not just because she's 16, but also because she didn't have to develop, like, emotionally. And, um, you know, her, her, her I, I feel like her powers um, sort of supplanted her, how she would have developed otherwise. So she's she's this very powerful person, but still sort of emotionally immature. And, and not just because okay. she's 16, yeah. but, you know. Really and she point, does yes. have trust issues when it comes to guys because her father oh, left yeah. uh, her parents divorced and her dad is by this point not really present in the family and we do find out later that Hank did cheat on Joyce so okay well that actually explains a lot more I was going to say because I didn't remember if Hank had cheated on her mom because that actually explains the whole thing so never mm. mind yeah she definitely has trust issues and yeah yeah. yeah, but I mean, I just I love this scene, and I, Juliet Landau is just phenomenal in this scene. She's yes. so, but yes. but we I have the her. very first instance I think of Joss's hello, tiny unstable woman with special powers. Yeah, I mean we've had <laughs> and and dark hair. Right, we've had Buffy who mm. is small and has special powers, but Buffy though she has PTSD, she, though she's not unstable. Yeah, and she's not yet. Yeah, yeah she's not. Right, she's not the Drusilla River Town. She doesn't uh, need handling. Scarlet Witch. Yeah. 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 Buffy's not quite the way... I was going to say, Buffy's not quite the wayfish of those three also. Mm. She's a different body type, and she's she's stronger. She's more like these uh, Black Widow type, Mm. but anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, there's definitely some, you know, differences in there. And I know it's been a real, you know, hot topic in the fandom around Buffy is the is, you know, Drusilla's madness and how we portray people that are mentally ill. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's always sort of been, um, you know, I take because it's a fantasy world that these visions that she had before she was turned were not delusional disorder. They were they were actual visions. Mm-hmm. And that, she, you know, and so a lot of, I think a lot of Drew's persona is a defense mechanism for her trauma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in a way. I don't know. Well, I mean, we do see later on, and I believe it's Angel, or or is it? No, it's Becoming that we finally see it. That basically Angel like raped her on a convent floor. Yeah. 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 That. Oh. Yeah. That. Well, his entire interaction with Drew before turning her was clearly. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, Angelus is like the worst just creature ever. Mm. Speaking I mean, speaking like, of yeah, Angel slash Angelus, 
occurred to me, and I, I just was wondering what your thoughts were. Uh, throughout the episode, like later in the episode, when uh, Spike and Drew are back at the compound, and they're talking about Angel, they refer to him as Angel, which I find strange. Uh, because that's... at this point, they've had very little interaction with him. Drew's had no interaction with him as mm-hmm. Angel, as opposed to Angelus. And Spike's had the one encounter with him. Yeah. I think demons yeah. gossip. Maybe. I, I Yeah, I don't know. But but, but <laughs> I, I kind of, I would have thought that the, I, I don't know. It feels weird to me that they would call him Angel. I think it, we had the same argument back in the episode Angel with Darla, that Darla should have been referring to him as Angelus mm. more than she was referring to him as Angel. But, like, the, the writers can't seem to decide, like... Well, Darla... What's going Darla, on? I always got the impression that Darla was more aware of what happened to Angel than Spike and Drew mm. are at this point. Very true. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I This is obviously not a major... Thing. I was just it just struck me as odd yeah and that yeah, is and odd. one other thing about this scene and talking about premonitions uh at some point referring to Buffy Drew says she has no idea what's in store do you mm-hmm. think that's a premonition or right. is that just Drew being spooky uh, premonition maybe yeah. which hey so, maybe a premonition yeah. is why she's referring to him as angel mm-hmm. and we don't actually know how spike found out that uh angelus had got his soul back mm-hmm. because we know that back in the 50s spike didn't know so maybe drew had like right. a vision of it when they came to sunnydale yeah. or something maybe because she knew he was about to lose it too didn't she yeah yeah so i mean yeah i just imagine them in, in Europe being like, and then he moved to California. He's all got a soul now, and it's just, you know. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a good possibility. I, yeah, it, I've always been wonky on that timeline because we see him lose his soul, you know, as an audience, and Drusilla and Spike are there, mm-hmm. and then he tries to still fit in with all of them, and Darla figures it out. She's like, did Darla just like not bother to tell her other minions? I don't know. It doesn't, you know. I don't, you know. Mm. So. I, I know. always figured that the second, like, that Angelus was gone, that Darla just abandoned Spike and Drusilla. Because <laughs> she could barely stand <laughs> yeah. them to begin with. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe she just didn't tell them because she's fucking with them, so. Truth. <laughs> Truth. But... Like, bye. She just pieces out, packs up her shit, and goes, I don't have to explain right. yeah. to you, idiots. I, I also really <clears throat> love how they're costuming Drusilla right now. Um, because she is in the whites and we saw her in black in her first sort of appearance when they they come in all Sid and Nancy style but I've noticed watching these before um, that they put her in a lot of whites and lighter colors until she gets her full powers back. yes so it's like it's just a great costuming choice who who referred to her as a waif Everybody? Who called her? Everybody. Everybody? Yeah. yeah. Well, you've got that Victorian waifish. Yeah. I'm, you know, dying of consumption yeah. look going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. And even later when, I mean, not only is it a color change that she, she goes through later, is uh, a ba- she abandons kind of the empire waisted dresses and just starts to go for more corset dresses and is yeah. much more dangerous looking. And her nails mm-hmm. are black and red instead of yes. black and white. I love her nails. I've done that. I know. Yes, I've done it so many times. Things. I'm embarrassed. I think I missed her manicure. 
It's black and white. We'll just keep an eye out yeah, at the end of the season. I'm obsessed. That's my other yeah. hobby is nail art, so I always look at people's manicures. So, you know, don't feel bad. I love her nails because it's they're, they're so nicely done, but they're really short. Like, they're not, like, overly they're not, long. They're not that short. They're Well, they're long enough that she's able to, you know, spoiler, spoiler, cut a slayer's throat with them later on. Yeah, I noticed not, like, in that episode they, they look a little longer because um, um, I could not slit someone's throat with my nails. My <laughs> nail... And my nails are not short. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Anyway, nail art, whatever. Um, maybe I need some Buffy nail art. That would be amazing. <laughs> I would be post cool. it on the Facebook page, but I don't have to. Yeah, the, the only like TV manicure that I've noticed is uh, Diane Lane's on the Twin Peaks The Return. Because um, she has like funky, like every she nail is a different color. She does. I have a lot of feelings about her right now, but let's talk about four. Right. Or yes. the next. Uh, well, or, oh God, must must we? Before we get before we get to Ford, uh, I would like to talk about Giles and Jenny yeah, because their scene happened. Oh, and hard eyes, hard eyes, hard eyes. And actually, in, since we were just talking about nails, uh, fashion kind of goes with it. Jenny's leather jacket over her long dress. I uh, awesome oh, heart, heart, heart. I love that so much. And yeah, I mean, too. I just that's like. That's like so '90s, but like perfect, like the, in the good yeah, way. Yeah, I don't care. So. It's like it's so '90s, but I it's I still dress like there that. There's some really good '90s fashion in here that's like sort of chic '90s, mm-hmm. and not the like yeah. because we're gonna contrast, and I'll get it to it later. I'm like, oh, I love Buffy in this. Compare and contrast to what Chanterelle is wearing. The good <laughs> the chic '90s versus <laughs> oh god, that is not acceptable in the '90s or any other time. It's terrible. Like. Well, Chanterelle was basically like, I walked into a hot topic with, you know, daddy's gold card. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, yeah, we'll get to her. We'll, we'll talk about them later. But Jenny and Giles. Um, oh, that scene was Aww. so cute. And I mean, like, you, like, Jenny was not a necessary addition to this episode because I, was that her only scene? I, I think so. think so, um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, we don't see a lot of Giles there yeah. either, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was basically just there. Oh, no, there is another to... scene. There is another scene with her after she takes him to the monster trucks. Oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. Yes. I mean, I was like, wait, monster Duh. trucks. But basically, like, the whole point of their characters, other than Giles' scene with Buffy at the end, is to establish that they are dating and that they are, like, super cute and awesome. <laughs> yeah, they're really... And I mean, of course, they're setting it up for the next episode, but mm. still, yeah. thank you for putting more cute scenes of them in. Yeah. Yeah. They're really great. Uh, and they just, they played it yeah. so well. I mean, just, they have, the two of them have such beautiful chemistry yes. together. Uh, and also, I want to give points to Xander for actually knowing what oppressed means. <laughs> like, in any other episode, he would not. Yeah. And this, oh, and. She was going to let him have cake. <laughs> and, and, and. <laughs> Best. Unlike the last time we had a scene like this, the teacher does not seem to think Cordy's ideas are reasonable. So kudos to the teacher because <laughs> and can we just talk about how awesome Cordy is yet again even in her cluelessness I mean I just think she's like a scene stealer oh, every yeah. time she's on screen she's just like well Whoa. I'm impressed by how much she was participating in class like I mean she always her, I- yeah. her ideas are not are not great uh, and totally wrong but she's still like being very passionate about things. I mean, Willow is passing fucking notes while Cordelia is <laughs> leading the argument. Yeah, we've 
yeah, we've I, talked about this before. I think when it was just me and David, um, I'm seeing me and David is Cordelia is a good student. Yes. She goes to class. She does her work. She participates in class. She's frequently fucking so wrong. It's moves over to funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. That teacher's going to go home to their partner at the end of the night and be like, okay, you will not believe what this kid <laughs> said in class today. And I had to try to keep a straight face, but I just wanted to laugh. But, you know, she's there. She's present. She's turning in her homework. And all, and also she's building up, like, her thing about uh, Marie Antoinette, she actually is building up. She wrote an essay. You couldn't actually fail her because she supports her argument. Mm-hmm. It's completely off base. It's like a bizarre point of view but she's still backing it up and she still has like her facts mm-hmm. about why this is a good thing so yeah. i think Courtney, it's great it's, it's it's interesting it seems like a contradiction but it's just who cordy is is like she's she's vacuous but she's not stupid <clears throat> no, not at all you know that's the thing it's like she's not unintelligent she's just very materialistic and cordy She's centered on the things she's centered on, which is often Cordy. And she says, like, granted, it's a season away, but she says, you know, I'm really good on standardized tests. Aren't I allowed to have layers? Mm-hmm. And I think we're starting to see that even now. They're setting the seats. Cordy's not well, a no, dumb No, I dumb. mean, we'll, we'll, we'll find out, in fact, that she will get into very good colleges. Yeah, she gets into Columbia. And just won't be able to go because of her, the situation that happens with her father later on. So it's... You know, it's not, again, she's not, she's not stupid by any means. She's just mm-hmm. very, I, valley girl? I don't know. I, how would you? No, she's very, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, she's also very, you know, like, share and clueless. Mm-hmm. I mean, they weren't dumb. They were just kind of like, again, like living in a little bubble. But I think it's nice because it's kind of playing with that trope and not making her your typical, oh, I'm a cheerleader, so I'm just an airhead right. and I'm really dumb and, you mm-hmm. know, as, as countering to the Scooby gang, mm-hmm. so... It, I, I like it. I think she just, like, holds her own as usual. I, I, I just, every time in this first couple seasons when Cordelia comes on and it's just... And I mean, I'm sure they put her in a little scene just so she's in the credits so they're not, like, paying her for nothing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. she brightens up the room and she pops off. Yep. And I love it. And I love it. Oh, and random clueless fact, since you brought up clueless... I just realized, I did not know this, there was a Clueless comic book that Amber Benson was a writer on. Really? What? Yeah, oh, cool. I just I just oh, found nice. this out the other week. <laughs> they they just released the uh, the the uh, collected uh, volume digitally. Well, so huh. I was like, and I saw right. Amber Benson, I was cool. like, what? <laughs> okay, okay, so now we move on to the crux of the episode where Buffy is pouting. And she is fucking pouting over the whole angel thing in the little common area in the the school. And Willow and Xander are trying to cheer her up, but in, instead we get uh, Ford coming in, uh, played by Jason Bear, yeah. um, who I think we have some feelings and, uh, on. A sudden so uh, uh, plot point <laughs> appears. Yes, <laughs> in the form of Ford. That's basically all we can say. He is just a walking plot point. Thanks for moving things along, dude. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and I remember the first time I watched this episode, I was like, okay, he's either cannon fodder or a bad guy. And I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Is he going to teach her the lesson of... um, Is he going to teach her the lesson that sometimes people... You can't save everyone? Or is she going to teach her the lesson of don't trust people? (laughs) Like, I'm not sure. 
All of the all above. Of the above. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not subtle. It's just like, it's also so, ra- I mean, like, as we were saying, there's so many plot holes. Just the fact that this guy walks up, finds her in this huge school out of nowhere. I mean, granted, he's looking for her. We, we're not supposed to know that. But there's, like, so many things, like, this would not ever work in any real-life situation in terms of somebody transferring and blah, blah, blah. So it just... Yeah. When I rewatched this, I was, like, my mind is, like, where are the monitors? Why aren't people just, like, watching these kids? And then I remembered when it was filmed, and I was like, oh, that's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because it was it was pre nineteen ninety nine and thus pre Columbine. Oh yeah, yeah, we just like yeah. randomly hung out everywhere when I was in high school. Yeah, I mean we didn't wander, and if you got caught in a hall when it wasn't break time, you know, then they'd ask you for your pass. But all we would do is like sit in the lounge in the drama department, and no one would ask us for a pass there. Like nobody was watching us. Yeah, and showing my age here, I mean, because I was in high school in the late 70s. I mean, nobody, we didn't even have passes, basically. Like, people would wander on and off the, the campus all the time. I mean, people would bring their boyfriends or their friends that didn't go there or what have you. And hanging out in the lunchroom. And I mean, like, nobody really, unless somebody, like, realized that, oh, you're 26, what are you doing here? And said something. Like, nothing. So that that part didn't bother me in terms of monitors. But, but it's just like the fact that nobody seems to know who he is. And he's sitting there talking about classes and being in the school. And nobody's like, oh, yeah, well, haven't you been to the front office? Or what classes are you taking? Or But he does but he does say, I need to go to the admissions office. And Buffy says, I'll walk. True. Which, that, yeah. and, and that weird does she just yeah, leave him there? That's yeah. what I found sure, odd. Yeah, because is, is she's like, I'll take you. Like, if Buffy takes him over, like, wouldn't a... Yeah, she takes him over, and then it's like, then what? Because he's not registered. Okay, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and apparently later on, where is his family? Where does he live? Uh, I mean, I guess the Sunset Club. Yeah. How does how does he want to buried in, a, in you know, spoiler alert, but how does he want to buried in, like, Sunnydale Cemetery? <laughs> like, nothing. With what a, is going with on a tombstone. It's not like Buffy yeah. buried him. There was a burial. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's even wearing yeah, a suit. That, that, I mean, that end scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's just, like, that's the the plot holes re- regarding, like, Ford and, yeah. like, how he fits in here. It's, like, totally illogic beyond illogic mm. in a show about vampires and yeah. werewolves and what have you. I also want to know, like, how he actually found out about Buffy. Like, did he actually right? find out before she left Henry and he just never told her? Or did he, like get his diagnosis and then like find out about vampires so he could figure out a way to survive and then he somehow figured out that Buffy was the slayer like right how, like how did he find this out <laughs> retroactively he was like oh this makes way more yeah. Sense well yeah and her just being like and a it seemed odd to me fire starter when he says to Buffy he's like I know you're the slayer that doesn't strike her as at all odd like he doesn't say I know oh, you I slay vampires like, I know you're right. the Slayer. The Slayer. <laughs> and it's like, well, you know more about this than I would expect. It's, like, it's not like you could look it up on the internet right. at that point. Um, so, yeah, it's like I said, it's just like the plot holes surrounding Ford. He's just like a walking plot hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my note literally says, like, how do you even find out that someone is the Slayer, is a Slayer, let alone the Slayer, I, you said the internet. And I said it's not like you can go to the card catalog at the LA County Library and look up Slayer, right? Unless you right. want to know about the band <laughs> Slayer. Like, um, it's like, yeah, how? It, yeah, total plot hole. 
Which is why I said I'm not as fond of this episode. So. Yeah, he's basically mm-hmm. a walking plot device and a walking plot hole at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. What a contradiction. A complex young man. Yeah, I mean, like... <laughs> I, th- I mean, I was thinking about it in retrospect. It's like, had they built him up over, like, maybe an episode or two, and he mm-hmm. actually had, like, a family that moved there, and there was some, like, logic behind it, I think this episode would have worked mm-hmm. a lot better. Yeah. But it had to have been, like, stretched out, like, over at least an episode or two to build up, like, the actual belief and trust in this guy before we found out that he's nefarious and blah, blah, blah. But he also felt, in a little way, he, he and his friends always feel like they're the precursor to, you know, Jonathan and, and Andrew and Warren later on, in terms of, like, mm-hmm. nerdy supernatural guys, but... Yeah. Oh, you from... bite your tongue. You don't insult my nerd boys. <laughs> no, the nerd boys are better, but I just felt like they were kind of an early clue to the new direction of like, oh, we like this. Nerdy people that are really like villains and into blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, I, it's, it just felt like a little hmm. bit of a force. I like it. Yeah. They won't be the first. I mean, I, I didn't see nerdy on four. Yeah. I mean, I saw a bit mm-hmm. of a film buff. Well, I said like, and his friends. Yeah. Yeah, but like a cool nerd. Not even a cool nerd. Like, you know, this kind of goffy hanger-on, and he just leaves his life as if it were a movie and all those things. But, like, in terms of focused, nerdy, geeky interests, like, Buffy talks about how much of a crush she had on him, and it just, you know, seems like he was probably a like a cool guy in school. Yeah, but I, I don't know. The whole thing with Spike later on just, like, screamed of movie nerd. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. like, that whole obsession with, like the theatrics of everything yeah i'm just like and something going along to however he scripted it in his head like someone who doesn't get a lot of time socializing with people so i imagine he was probably some sort of like fringe of social groups cute mysterious so so you kind of which for me yeah like kind of makes the whole supposed history between him and buffy weird like Mm -hmm. does she is this really the kind of guy she was... I mean, like, so yeah, she had the crush in fifth grade. But, the, like, apparently they were friends the whole time uh, after that. And, mm-hmm. like, they said, it's like, we've known each other, we knew each other for seven years, and, I mean, I guess, you know, maybe because of his current situation, he's changed, but... Mm-hmm. But it seems like he's just like that. He's just... Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what I'm going to say about that. Having gone to high school and see, and then working with high school kids and seeing how they react, you can be as nerdy as nerdy can be, but if you're really attractive, no one in high school cares how nerdy you are. I was they just, just care about that. how attractive you are. Yeah. Like, yeah. I sure. got away with shit in high school and being just totally, like, out there weirdo girl and so nerdy, but I was hot. So that got overlooked a lot. So mm-hmm. see, why well, I was the, the polar opposite. So I was just like reviled and nerdy, and you know all that. And we're, I, I want to say we're all beautiful in yeah. our own way, and I love. But at the, you know, I I was I was not unattractive when I was sixteen. Yeah, well, kids kids that age are very superficial. Yeah. So that is yeah. actually part of it. It's not. Yeah, and I mean also like the whole dynamic with Buffy and Ford, like. Buffy had a crush on him in fifth grade, but they don't say that, like, Buffy continued to have a crush on him, like, up yeah. until the time she was 15 or whatever. Despite the kind of weird jealousy things that they kind of throw in there, actually, Buffy and Ford's relationship is very platonic. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Xander has to have his little freaking fit, because God forbid that he she talks to, like, a man or a boy of her own age without having 
him get sour about it. Mm-hmm. They so. legit, like, they never, like, other than Buffy saying that she had a crush on him, yeah. there is never any romanticness mm-hmm. between Buffy and Ford. Mm-hmm. No, but of course, Xander sees it that way instantly. Right. If it was, they were supposed to be, I think it hit, it like missed the mark by a mile. If they were just supposed <clears throat> to be friends, then Xander's even a bigger dick than usual. Xander's- Mm. So. <laughs> I think that's the fact. Mm-hmm. I think because I mean, like, yeah. doesn't she know any fat guys? <laughs> Fuck you, really? Sander. There, there are there 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 are no fat guys on this show. That is also they're in California. There's no fat right. guys in California. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there are, but not on yeah. the WB. It's like the whole you know, Ali Hannigan is supposed to be the the plain one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. you know, no. <laughs> Yeah. I should be so plain, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't be. I wouldn't mind being the plain friend on an, on a, a CWWB <laughs> yeah. show at this point. Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. All right. Cool. Uh, Life is made. I have a question: Is this Buffy's first masturbation joke? I don't know, but it's great. I think it is. <laughs> yeah, and, and and the fact that Willow Willow's like payoff on that is just like the best yeah. ever. That's what that's about. Oh, that's what it's about. I, I mean, it. I just I that, that, I that killed me. Yeah. Yeah, so the expression on her face is just. I love it. I love it. Oh well. I also love that song. Me too. I and and I used to have like a horrible, horrible crush on Christina Amphlett. So just Mm. yeah, that is my go-to karaoke song. I tell you what, (laughs) and it drives everybody crazy, and it's so expected. Oh yeah, she's gonna get up and sing some '90s song about touching herself. But I do it, and I do it well. We need to go to karaoke together. Totally. I feel so odd about this. Is like I never was a huge Divinals fan at all, but I've actually mm. seen them. Yeah. Oh, no. oh wow. The, this was the the at, at Penn we have Spring Fling every year, and there's a concert. And one year they apparently decided. I think their thought was it's a concert where there's something for everyone. And my thought was it's a concert where. No matter who you are, you don't want to see three of the bands. It was it was <laughs> the Divinals, Grandmaster Flash, the Psychedelic oh Furs, and Southside what? Johnny. It's yeah. like, huh? What? Okay, what? I actually <laughs> love that concert. I mean, I, I mean, I, I mean it Turn actually was not a bad. concert, but but just looking at the acts, you're going, what are you thinking? <laughs> Oh, dude, I would love to see. I mean, Divinals, I like well enough. I'd be like, yay, I'm going to dance with the audience. But dude, yeah, Psychedelic yeah. oh, Furs and Grandmaster Flash, I am all about that shit. <laughs> so that sounds amazing. I've seen the Psych Furs, and they are amazing in concert. I absolutely mm. love them. So, yeah. I'm, Grandmaster Flash is like one of those rap bands that I'd be okay with. So I mean, he's yeah. a legend. I'm Made not a, a rap actually. person, but Grandmaster Flash is a legend. So I'm Yeah, always... exactly. He's he's beyond the, yeah. the normal. Oh, yeah. I mean, the only band that I really don't like is Southside Johnny because I was never into any of those like, uh, eh, the, the right. New Jersey uh, Shore bands, any of them. So, uh, yeah. Esbury Park. Thank so, you. sorry. The vinyls, and we touch ourselves. Yes. <laughs> is that a reference yeah, to um, the presence of the vinyls in the movies? I had wondered that. True. Uh, I know, right? Mm. Probably. I. Th- I think it might have just been because it was a really good joke. It's a really good, yeah, really good masturbation joke. Yeah. And also, I find it very refreshing that if this is the first masturbation joke on Buffy, that it's a female masturbation joke. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yay, girl power. <laughs> <laughs> and super random, uh, but also probably a shocking thing that will uh, 
as we get into the next scene where they're at the bronze. David Boreanaz looks really hot in this episode. Right? I know! He does. I know! Okay, it's okay. not just me. It's, no, I... And I, I waffle back and forth on, on David Boreanaz in these first, like, two and a half seasons. And sometimes I'm like, you are really hot. I, I, for me, just personal preference on, you know, taste, and not everybody has the same taste. I, he stops being that attractive to me when he gets bulkier. Yeah. 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 Um, I actually think that uh, since I really noticed it in this episode, and I... Uh, once he gets into being Angelus, I'm like, oh, geez. He like, you, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So, but this is the yeah. first episode I noticed. <laughs> so it's like, okay, David, now you've gotten to your peak hotness. And, I mean, like, this is probably not a surprise, but when I was looking at him in this episode, I was like, wow, I understand why they cast Vinnie Carthizer as your son. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Because he's, because <laughs> David looks really pretty. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I know, I was like, wait, why is he so hot right here? So, <laughs> th- same thought. And I was like, I'm not an angel person, but yeah, season two yeah. and into season three, peak David Boreanaz hotness. Yeah, he, I'm, I'm, he's not normally my type either, but he really is. I know, I don't know what it is. Yep. Maybe he's just got one of those faces that sometimes it's really, really cute. So we get to meet, um, I, I, we get, after the bronze, we get to meet the um, the sad people in the basement. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, yeah. And we get to meet uh, what's her actual name? Her, I have information on this in the script for this oh. episode. Her real name was given as Joan Appleby. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> um, wait a second. Is that God? That must. That's an incredible inside joke. If that's why they name it, why, that's why Buffy Joe's Joan. I know it's so random. Four seasons yeah. from now, um, but oh God, yes, her her birth name was Joan Appleby, and she before she took Chanterelle, she was Sister Sunshine, and later okay. she will be known as Lily and Anne Steele. I always just find it amazing when I rewatch this episode. I was like, who knew that that random chick, yeah, decked out in in gear from Hot Topic, and the tear her blue eyeshadow. I'm sorry. <laughs> she oh, deserves to be slain for that blue <laughs> it's just it's fucking terrible um well, she but got she, over it she becomes su- like really elasting i mean no she's the pop, gift that keeps on giving in, but she really yeah. she really is like, yeah. like i mean how many years later is is her appearance on angel it's i know she and I, she appears in angel's finale oh wow uh, yeah that's right she does. yeah she has yeah. this really interesting, subtle character arc, and um, she She's only a appears. Wonderful in, character arc. She she appears in I think five episodes over both shows. It's mm. this one and Blood Money, The Thin Deadline, and Not Fade Away. But she does kind of grow through all of them, and uh, I I think it's actually interesting, like with the names she takes, because in her first episode she's Chanterelle and she's all exotic, and then she's Lily and she is a flower and very delicate, and then she goes to Anne Steele, which is utilitarian and hard, which is kind of what she becomes, where she's you know she's not putting up with any crap from anyone. She has learned from Buffy to be strong, so. I'm a big fan of Anne myself, and that's kind of how I always think of her, even like in this episode when they call her Chanterelle. I'm like, no, that's Anne. 
Okay, I just realized that there's like a joke in there. Chanterelle is a mushroom, and there's the old thing about like being a mushroom and being like kept in the dark and covered in shit. <laughs> just like I think that's kind of like ties in. No, seriously, think about it. She's like in the basement of the bomb shelter, and she's just like completely oblivious. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm wondering if that's actually a joke in there too, mm-hmm. or if it just happens to be. It sounds like cool and gothy to you know like a is that why there's. Girl. Is that what the plot suffers? Joss was so insistent upon shoving as many jokes that would make him laugh and only him into this episode yep. that, like, he just yeah, failed it's to... Like, yeah, like, who needs a plot? Oh, Let's just so... make jokes. That, that sounds yeah. like something Joss would do. No, I have to I have to come to the defense of this episode. It's like, as much as I have a problem with, you know, like, the actual plan, I, I love this episode. I honestly, I don't think it's a bad episode, per se. It just... It could have been better. It well, it it's it's just that it shines in certain ways and and fails in other ways, mm-hmm. and and in the way that it shines and and this is, and this will be important for the series going on is the development of the characters, mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. that yep. they put all their effort into that and none into making the plot make any sense. So, which is, which is, I mean, that's, I mean, that happens sometimes. Absolutely. And this is a show that, I mean, can do that mm-hmm. on occasion, but it is such a, like, an overarching plot-driven mm-hmm. show that it's obvious when they take a break to push forward some development. Right. Like, I love this episode because you get that moment between mm-hmm. Buffy and mm-hmm. Giles where it sets the tone for a lot of their relationship and how desperate Giles is to not only keep her alive and safe, but... To the best of his ability, happy and sane, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is not what he was trained to do. Essentially, yeah. I think the odd part for me is that they that the, you know, looking ahead, you know, next time we'll be talking about the Dark Age, and that's another episode that has this same, let's call it a problem, where yeah. like because like yeah, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm just sitting there going, what, why, huh, mm-hmm. and but but but. <laughs> But as a character piece, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. but, like, the fact that they, yeah. as you say, you know, there is a lot of plot that has to, you know, this the series has a lot of plot to cover. And it, it's strange that they would mm-hmm. put two episodes like this right next to each other. Well, I think it's really interesting because one is about, oh, okay, maybe not. <laughs> there's, there's, this gr- there's this great moment, again, like Logan said, at the end of the episode with Giles really caring for Buffy Mm -hmm. in a deep, empathetic, emotional way. And then you're going to get Buffy caring for Giles in a deep, empathetic, emotional way in the next episode. Mm -hmm. So I think that is an amazing pairing. It does bookend well in that sense, yes. Mm -hmm. I just find this episode awkward. And I think part of it is Joss, Joss is just learning how to direct. You know? And and, and it's not even visual awkwardness. It's like so I think I remember complaining about the episode when she was bad and Sarah's acting was really shrill. And I hate using that word about women. I really do. But in this case, I think it is the best way to describe Every it. Every once in a while, yeah. Right. She gets really shrill in that. And I think she gets really shrill in this one. And both were directed by Joss. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So does he not have sort of that way to... Because he'll be known as an actor's director later on. But at this point, does he not just have that communication skill? Because there's a a certain... And it's very melodramatic. Like, Mm -hmm. the tone and and Sarah's acting is not as naturalistic 
as it mm-hmm. normally is. And like, it's just, it gets a little, I don't know. I, I just, again, there's some lovely ideas in this episode, but mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. think it's as executed as well as it could be. Yeah. Like I said, I think it had, had the story, especially with Ford played out over a little bit more time, the whole thing would have made much more sense, but there's, it, it's, yeah, but I don't want any more Ford. <laughs> No, no, I, I agree, but I'm just saying, like, actually just the friend coming in from the past and, like, building up a, a rapport mm. and some trust and then finding out they're a bad guy. And I, maybe the problem with the script also, if he was busy directing and mm. he also wrote it, he might not have had time to, like, focus on one because it was Yeah, that's, on mm-hmm. that's the thing. When you, you, know, so, you talk about expanding, you know, the relationship between Buffy and Ford, I, I think may, maybe you didn't even need to do that over a period of episodes, but you could have put more in here. Because mm-hmm. it really is just yeah. basically, oh, we've known each other for seven years. I had a crush on you in fifth grade. That's all we know. We know yeah. nothing about their relationship, really. And also just the fact, like I said, a lot of the background, oh, I just moved here and I've, I've transferred to the school. And meanwhile, you know, not nothing about family, nothing about an address, nothing. There's like nothing there. But how many people's families do we actually see besides Buffy's? We hear Willow's mother in this one. We do hear Willow's yes. mother. We, we do. do hear Willow's mother, but we don't really get, and it's specifically designed, and Joss said it is specifically designed, that you don't really see families besides Joyce. Yeah, I mean, he initially right, didn't but, even want to have Joyce in the series, right. but he realized that it was just yeah. too hard to not have her in. Mm-hmm. And she was really an asset, and I think oh, that yeah. decision was really good yeah. um, to have that relationship. Yeah. But yeah, yeah you, but like with with Xander, as yeah. I said, with Xander, I mean, we know about his family. We hear about them often enough in a way that even though we never see them, we know how horrible, especially his dad, are. You know, so. And it's just like it said that the logic was like the was off the, the illogic was yeah. off the charts. I don't know. I mean, I think we're expecting too much from a one shot character because yeah, I mean, one shot so characters too. do yeah. happen. And yeah, but he's yeah. so central to this episode. Yeah, and, and and it just makes no sense that he just wandered down there to look for her to do this thing and to set up that and you know blah blah blah. I I, I don't know. It just like I said, it just kind of makes no sense to me. But um. I was going to say, oh, yeah, speaking of family and, and Willow's mom, the fact that Willow invites uh, Angel into her house, isn't that kind of a big deal? Yeah, it is. That, well, yeah, and that's going to bite her in the ass later I, on. I, it is going to bite her in the ass. Yeah, Literally. I, that, was, yeah. that was my note, is that this will come back to bite her. And yeah. But it's a nice, okay. it's a vampire puns. It's a good way, because it's a very natural way to set up that he has got an invite. Like, it doesn't seem like a forced thing it, it seems no, like no, very no. motivated by how those characters work to mm-hmm. to you know and so it's mm-hmm. gonna reverberate but i think it was like subtly really good placement in there so i will say that about this and, mm-hmm. and just willow and angel are adorable on that scene they really yeah. are mm-hmm. i was gonna say it's a great scene and you're just like oh this is so wonderful see he's getting on with her friends and they love each other now and they work together and isn't this wonderful yeah. dot 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 yeah, I, you know. Yeah. Willow is just so cute, like hiding her bra from Angel, and the, I'm not supposed to have boys in supposed my room. To have boys in my room, but I also really like this because Willow in this episode, I like their interaction because I like seeing, you know, pairings that aren't typical. Yeah. But I also like Willow sort of taking initiative, mm-hmm. uh, which becomes important. Yeah. Later. yeah. You know, she she definitely like has growth here, which is wonderful. I mean, she's just like coming out of her shell and she's doing stuff and she's yeah. the brain. So. Also, twenty yeah. fucking years, and I never noticed Willow's bunny slippers before last time, and they're, they're really so cute. cute. They're really cute. <laughs> yeah, and I do love the 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 gag with the guy 
the dude that's dressed like Angel. I know Xander can annoy oh, me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Like Angel and Xander fighting. Yeah. Uh, when Xander's like calling him dead boy and stuff like that, and they're going <laughs> Bossy the, the cow. Just... Bossy the cow is my favorite. <laughs> Bossy the cow. Bossy the cow. Yeah. But he calls him Bossy the cow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the guy that walks by <laughs> in a dressed exactly. Okay, that I actually have written down. That is the first joke I think we've ever gotten on Buffy that feels like an angel joke. It does feel like an yeah. angel, and his thing about brooding is very, it's a very mm-hmm. angel with his weird, dry sense of humor. It's, it's, it's angel, yeah. Yeah, that's the stuff that we would get over on his show. I just, I made a note, just a stupid note, but the guy who plays oh. Diego, the guy in the, the blue lame cape, who's so awful, he actually, he was actually, uh, that's Jared Paul, he was a regular on uh, Monk, where he also, he played like this, like, nerdy OCD, um, you know, kind of, almost like an Andrew type character on there, so I guess he's just, he's one of those character actors who always plays like kind of ge- geeky, nerdy guys, and he was great. Was he dressed any better? Yeah, he was like normally like, just like polo shirts or you know like plaid shirts and pants and stuff but i think he was monk's neighbor ah. and he was always like you know with the trivia and stuff but it just mm-hmm. like almost like oh my god yeah. that guy oh and random yeah. random trivia point um the uh the movie that they are watching in the bomb shelter is the 1973 yep. uh adaptation of dracula starring jack palance written directed by dan curtis directed by dan curtis who created dark shadows and written by horror icon richard matheson oh wow that's amazing i i keep i have looked and searched for that movie and have not been able to find it through legal means so i've never gotten Mm, to watch it but i hear it's actually pretty great i remember seeing it as a kid but i haven't seen it in like forever i seem to think it was released at some point but it may be it may very well be very out of print at this point I would have well, to I mean, I, and I wasn't going to go buy a DVD on the internet just right. to watch this movie right. that happened on Buffy. Like, it's not on any of the streaming services, so mm-hmm. whatever. Um, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, uh, also random, like, possible in-joke, the fact that, um, like, he calls, said, call me Diego, that felt like a little, like, pushed towards Anne Rice because she always had, like, all the different, like, ethnicities mm-hmm. of vampires and stuff as compared to, you know, call me Dracula or whatever, just the fact that oh, he was, like, I- Diego. As compared to Armando or... It might like actually be a reference to Joss's personal assistant, Diego Gutierrez. Okay. okay. That's Could a that that's, Yeah. Is that a compliment or... <laughs> oh, sometimes you just shout out your friends yeah. and stuff and I mean, it, 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 it yeah. does work as kind of a more, you know, exotic name. Because, I mean, what, what's his real name? Like, Marvin? Marvin. Okay, Diego is not an exotic name. I'm sorry, it's not. <laughs> it is to a white kid. Well, I mean, when your name is Marvin and you're a white dude. Well, if your if your real name is Marvin, Diego's exotic. Right. It is to a white kid named Marvin, but like for me, I'm like, yeah, Diego. That's like, I don't know, 25 people that I. Know. Well, but... it's all relative. <laughs> it is all relative, but I'm like, mm, not an exotic name. And not Keep in, in mind, for me, but... it is an exotic name because I'm a white girl from Toronto. So, <laughs> what is? <laughs> and I immediately thought, dude, you're no Diego Luna. But... <laughs> you know. Um, so moving along, <laughs> who is? Now, yeah. Now we've got another Jenny Giles scene. Yes, mm. the monster right. truck. And they talk yeah. about monster truck. The interrupted date. It's the date, yeah. and I just love the way that. The words nitro burning funny cars come out of Giles' yes. mouth. He's like, but we are going to miss the nitro burning funny cars. Well, yeah, that just like, simply won't do. That's <laughs> like, it's amazing. Just mm-hmm. having those come out of Tony Head's mouth is nitro burning funny cars. It makes me happy. Okay, and sometimes Paramore? 
Sometimes Paramore. Right? How Sometimes much do the Paramore? Watchers suck? Come on. Watchers suck. The Watchers yeah. diaries are terrible. I mean, there's no sometimes about their relationship. Especially not in Spike. I mean, Spike is just obsessed with her. So That's yeah. like yeah. where Spike is barely 200. The Watcher's Diary is like, he wasn't with her for 80 years because he wasn't alive. <laughs> and, and also, Giles, Giles thinks Drusilla well, is dead. So That is true, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. The, right. the, the, um, the Watcher information is not particularly reliable. I think, I think we, we've already learned this. One thing I want to know right. about this whole, you know, mob in Prague, when did that happen? It happened just before they came there. Which seems really, like... How would the Watchers have information about that, right? In the in the 90s in Prague, there's a wild mob going after a vampire? That seems, like, yeah. really odd. <laughs> it does. Well, I feel like maybe they were just sort of that Eastern European, Vlad the Impaler, ooh, mysterious Prague kind of... Yeah, okay, maybe they all still believe in vampires in the 90s and um, I, I think, I think <laughs> I from know. a writing standpoint specifying Prague was probably a mistake it was kind of dumb right. yeah, yeah it was like I don't know did like they not like Baklav Havel's play what I mean it's like <laughs> yeah it's just odd it is very odd it oh, is yeah. very odd um, and the the, um, the book that the vampire steals just it's going to come up again, and it's a way to put it in. That's the Codex. Mm. Uh, right. That's the Dulac Manuscript. Hmm? Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, the Dulac yeah. Manuscript. The Dulac... Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah the Codex it, was yeah. from season one. Sorry, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. The Dulac Manuscript, yeah. which is going to be really, really important, and yeah. that Giles is so offended. It took one of my books. That, that is one of like, my favorite the parts worst, of the whole episode. That is the worst thing that, that anyone can ever do to Giles, is take one of his books. He's he's so and did he hurt. say it specifically? <laughs> he said it took. He said it, it took, took one, one of my books. books. One of my books, <laughs> which is, <laughs> so, um, I think. Well, no, I just think his 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 that phrase specifically is really interesting. Mm. It took one of my books. Not well, sweet. given how we are, how 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 vampires function is described, that's not too off. Mm-hmm. Because it's no, and they go really into depth into it. Like it's just a demon that takes up your flesh suit, right. and has mm-hmm. your memories essentially. Yeah, but, Bucky um, Beck gives that whole speech to Ford later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Exactly, which I think was that phrase specifically. It took my book was a way to sum yeah. that up. Is, is well, it's just kind of the first time they got into that whole thing of you know the mm-hmm. the the demon taking over the human body. Uh, I which which for me always brings to mind. Um, years later in season five where where spike you know has drew tied up and um you know she says i think buffy says something along the lines about about how vampires can't love and drew's like no we can love like a lot (laughs) we're good at it (laughs) so yeah i think i think this is them dipping their toe into expanding Mm -hmm. the vampire mythology which Mm -hmm. is cool so yes. Right. Um, okay. So I've defended this episode. I really have. Um, but Ford's plan. I. I honestly, it's like I do not get it. I do not understand why Buffy has to be a part of this plan at all. The bargaining. She's a bargaining. Ship. She's a bargaining ship. Yeah. Exactly. That's. That's why. I'm. I'm confused. I. I. I question why he has to involve all the other people. Or where he found them. Uh, I don't know where he found them. Well, wasn't an internet 
board. Maybe they were. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's another. It's like, why are all these people hanging out and he's going to use them as fodder? Like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I would disagree <laughs> because uh, while Buffy might say that vampires are kind of choosy about who they turn, not really. Yeah. They're not really. Yeah. He probably could have gotten someone in LA just to turn Yeah. Him. He's in, if in LA, he could find somebody to turn him. I mean, that, uh, Darla does that in, uh, season two of Angel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, or if you go to Sunnydale, there's hundreds of vampires. You just wait in a park. Yeah, I mean, the, the the question about the other people there, is it is this how Ford found out about vampires being real? Is it he somehow got connected to these weird goth people that, you know what, it doesn't make any sense. It certainly doesn't seem like they actually have any real knowledge of vampires, mm-hmm. which, which Ford does the seem The lonely to ones. Oh, please. Other than other than like Chanterelle and Diego, he doesn't talk to anybody, so we don't even know if everybody else there really has any clue. And we know Diego and Chanterelle don't. So yeah, it's just a bad goth club, isn't it? I feel like yeah. they are probably just larping yeah. vampire mm-hmm. masquerade. <laughs> yeah. And I had gotten the impression that Ford had kind of taken over as leader. Like, I mean, I think I think that Marvin that mm. it was originally his thing, but that Ford had kind of weaseled his way into actually becoming leader because Marvin is completely ineffectual. Right. Right. And are these? And it seems like these people aren't actually from Sunnydale. No, they're not. Like yeah. they just randomly come in and rented a place for like. A month, because they, they they have some line about paying the rent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I and, I don't. And they know. specifically rent a bomb shelter. Well, that's super gothy, yes, and I do, but I do love the Sisters of Mercy track that plays in the club. <laughs> oh well, Sisters of Mercy. Yeah. Always... I was like, oh wow, song I actually recognize and know the name of the band. Um, and it's very and it's <laughs> yeah, I... for a goth club. I'm sorry, like all that was when I used to go to those things in the '90s was like, oh, Sisters of Mercy, of course. So. Yeah. Yep. Very good. Yeah. Either Sisters of Mercy or Bond yeah, House. Always. always, always like, forever always. and ever. Yeah. I mean, it, it also kind of made me giggle because I went to like goth clubs. And it was like the early goth clubs when people were kind of nerdy and geeky and fun as compared to later on, especially in New York, where it was like basically you had to be a fetish model and you had to be like gorgeous or otherwise you were basically made to stay in the corner and not interact with mm. people. So. But I, I think I think Ford just picked up the local hot topic. You know, <laughs> can we please stop bashing on a hot topic? I love hot topic now, but I remember when it was I like love in hot the 90s. topic too. Like I yeah, seriously exactly. love hot topic, but it was a totally different thing in the nineties. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, I shop at oh, hot yeah. topic now. Constantly. I should. Yeah, I mean, I shopped then, but it was, like, cheap goth stuff as compared to spending $600 on the internet for, like, someplace in Australia to make a really nice skirt or a really nice jacket yeah. or something. Yeah, I got all, I get all my Hot Harry Topic Potter stuff at Hot Topic, so. I, I buy lots of geek stuff from there in Torrid, so we love Hot Topic now, but 90s Hot Topic was kind of, like, geeky goth, so. We didn't have Hot Topic at my mall in the 90s. <laughs> Yeah, I used to have to go to New Hampshire to do it, so. Well, I mean, if you were 15 or 16 in the 90s uh, and you wanted to dress goth, I'm yeah. sorry, you went to fucking Hot Topic because you didn't have a lot of money. Actually, <laughs> I went to the, oh, yeah. you went to the thrift store if you were truly, like, cool, but my mom would not <laughs> let me <laughs> shop at Hot Topic because we did buy a dress there and it ripped and faded within two weeks, so she's like, nope. No more clothes from Hot Topic because you it's it's these are not yeah they they were not like well made at all it was not quality material so I didn't get to shop there mm-hmm. 
Uh, I would like to know, do bomb shelters really work like that? Like I what? I have no idea. Where you can, one, can't so. open the door. Lock from the outside. Oh, yeah. no, that, that seemed to have been a specific modification. That okay. Because that seemed, like, unsafe. Like Yeah, no, 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 no. No, that, yeah. as far as I could tell, in fact, I think we see people, like, welding the door oh. in the early parts. So I think that's... Okay. Yeah, 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 you're right. I I just realized there was somebody with a blowtorch, and I was wondering like what random thing is, and I never put two and two. Right. Together. So yeah, no, that was it. that was something yeah. that Ford specifically had put in, but there are no other exits because it's a bomb shelter. Yeah. I would like to talk about the fact that Joss doesn't fucking understand how illness works. Right. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, the only way I can headcanon Ford working is that he is such a drama llama, which we do have evidence of, <laughs> and, and that he's not actually as sick as he says he is. Hmm. Maybe. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, if he were genuinely that far along, he, especially right. if that far along, he would be coming off of several kinds of treatments. Nah, dude. You'd be yeah. non-functional. And he also would not look the way he looks. No. no. I was about to say, he would look a hell of a lot sicker, thinner, paler. I mean, it de- yeah. it depends on the, t- the, the type of treatment, but he would not look wet. He would not look like Jason fucking Bear. Well, this is, this is, no, well, this right. is assuming that he's getting treatment. That is That's true. true. That's yeah, but point. even with that. Yeah. Because maybe, he may have, he may yeah. have said, they've told him, you've got six months. Yeah. And he's like, well, and the treatment's going to do what to me? No, fuck that. But I mean, even no, if he, were, if he weren't yeah. getting yeah. any treatment, he does say, try vomiting for 24 hours because the pain is so intense. Yeah. So, no, I it's... mean, like, there would be right. physical toll on him, and then mm-hmm. there would be mental toll on him, so that he probably couldn't, yeah. like, do this whole plan. And also, um, oddly, some of the symptoms he's describing are more typically the result of treatment. Well, yeah than actually right. the actual yeah. cancer. Yeah. So, I, yeah, it, it, that whole thing is just badly Very done. badly. I, I feel badly. like Joss and a lot of people tend to use, um, I mean, like, this is the second time they've used brain cancer yes, in, I, I noticed in Buffy, that. and it's mm-hmm. not the yeah. last time. I feel they like using it because they feel it's an invisible illness, like, but the thing is, they just don't know that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, what actually yeah, it's, happens. Yeah. It's not. Yeah, I mean, you know, having, I've never had cancer, but I've had family members and friends who've mm. been that sick. And I mean, like, even like if you're watching, I don't know if anybody watches Twin Peaks and you see Miguel Farrar, you mm. can see he's sick. You know something is going on, even if you didn't know mm. he had cancer. You know, it's just, there's a, there's a kind of, there's just a aura around you and you can see it and never once in this episode does ford ever come off as even like until he says it he's so like so he's moving around he's fine he's he thinking you know he's just really he coughs like, and you see him take a pill yeah. right. and he he he, he coughs right. but the thing is he has fucking brain cancer right <laughs> what does a yeah. have to do with no, me I, exactly nothing I mean, well you know jen said she hasn't had cancer i am a cancer survivor and i right. I have to say, one thing that I realized when I had cancer is that people do not understand cancer. No. I mean, unless mm-hmm. you've gone through it or yep. have a family member who's gone through it, it's you really don't understand. One thing you really don't understand is the differences between what the cancer does to you and what the treatment does to mm-hmm. you. 
Mm-hmm. And and I think there's definitely some of that going on here. Yeah. 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 My mom had breast cancer. I mean, it was stage, it was uh, cuspus between oh. stage one and stage two. And she got sick and, and she got sick and on her chemo almost, the one dose of chemo mm-hmm. almost killed her. But actually the breast cancer, she had mm-hmm. no symptoms right. whatsoever. So yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. you know. Right. No, that, that, that's a big thing is... Yeah, no, I was just going to say is that, that that's one one thing that, that people really don't realize is that you'll often have much more, uh, many more of your symptoms will come from the treatment yeah. than from the cancer itself, yeah. unless it's extremely advanced. Yeah. I spent the last year interning at a cancer center, mm-hmm. so um, I, I saw, you know, journeys and I did a lot of counseling for people you know, going through this. Um, so, of course, going back to this episode, I'm like, that's not the fucking way it works, dude. Mm-hmm. That is just not. And I will yeah. say this about Ford. I have a lot of sympathy because of the cancer, but I don't have any empathy mm-hmm. for Ford. Right. For Ford specifically. Like, I have no problem having empathy you, for... You're, yeah. you're, you're willing to take down a dozen, two dozen yeah. innocent people because... You no, feel I mean, your mortality. It's I feel for him, for his illness. I don't feel any sympathy for what nope. he does about it. So my right. whole position on this is, like, people's, yeah, you, you know, you, you need more help and you need more things, but people's fundamental personalities don't, I know brain cancer can do some of those, you know, things, mm-hmm. but in this case... He was probably an asshole and a drama llama well before he was diagnosed. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so people yep. with cancer have bad days and they can lash out and they can have asshole moments. But I think Ford was an asshole before mm-hmm. any of this, before he got sick. So. Right. And then also then, so how the hell was he like this friend of right, that's... forever and ever? And he never like... It, it never showed any like assholeish symptoms before that. Yeah, that had nothing to do with his being ill. <laughs> he he could snap if you know he. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, in my head, I do think like his whole nest of tumors. I think just to justify how he's still able to walk around and shit like that. In in my head, like he's gotten a diagnosis where he has, a, you know, a, a benign tumor that you know. You know, they have to keep an eye on, but it's just scared the fuck out of him because everything in his head he, you know, decides is, you know, a million times worse. And he, you know, he needs to cast himself as this tragic villain. Oh my gosh, that is so interesting. Everything has to fit into a scenario. Yes. Right, and it's his whole movie of his life, so that is... Yeah. Wow! Wow! That puts a, a really different light on this MC. That's uh, wow. We did a better job on this episode than they did. That... <laughs> right? Had had Joss only known this when he was writing it, it would have worked yeah. a lot better. No, no, no seriously. Yeah. I mean, it just that actually, yeah. No, I, no what, I'm not. I mean, it's 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 kind of hilarious, but yeah, no, we we just made much more of this episode than mm-hmm. than the writers did. Ugh. Wow, that's I you yeah. Just, Knocked me out with that theory. I love it. Yeah, yeah I love oh, it too. Is this is what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and da- and David, I'm so glad you're with us today, and that you survived. <laughs> oh, and you're with. Oh, us thank today. you. Yes. Same here. I'm I'm, you I'm, know. I'm kind of happy about that too. So <laughs> I'm very happy yes. about that. <laughs> but uh, yeah. speaking, but since uh, we're talking about Joss again, I, I 
uh, and we talked about it, is directing earlier. I want to ask what if anyone else noticed this. The scene where uh, Buffy runs into Ford in the in the courtyard after she knows that something's up, mm-hmm. and he says, "Meet, let's go out again tonight. Meet me here again at nine. And the way that thing is shot with that like rotating camera and constant cutting what is up with that he's learning (laughs) he's a novice and he's trying to try some shit but it's just like but why would you why would you even think to do that it it makes no sense for that scene i don't know joss is kind of a drama llama too okay uh yeah (laughs) he's trying to be that's saying a miserable fail I think this is what his third episode he directed. He did Prophecy Girl mm. and When She Was Bad. So, yeah. and we we know that Joss wants to do a musical so badly. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, whatever would give you that idea? Oh my God! Uh, there is a line that uh, Xander says, and I noted it. He said, "All right, once more with tension." Yes. <laughs> so yes, I just I, I did was too. Like, ah, there you go. Um, again, it has no factor <laughs> on the episode, but I, I did notice that line so um so yeah we've we've gotten to sort of the place in the episode where ford is talking to buffy about this whole illness Mm -hmm. and sort of her reaction to it which i think is is very Mm -hmm. mature um i know i know talked about her immaturity throughout this in in regards to her response to she has a really good epiphany there in terms of like mm-hmm. people. So well, I I just think this further sort of <laughs> I think this further proves my point <laughs> that um, uh, <laughs> that yeah, there are things she is so mature about, and they often have to do with things children her age yeah. shouldn't be mature about. Whereas she's sort of stunted in other respects. But um, well, that's kind of what this whole yeah. episode is about for. Her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it does, yeah. since I watched them both at the same time, I think it really does pair well with the next episode mm-hmm. and that emotional journey. Um, and I, you know, I'm excited to talk about that next week. But yeah, I just, it really had a nice flow of emotional journey and what learning and the stuff with Giles. Um, I don't know. I'm not particularly invested in this episode. I, I still love this episode. And I do think that this and mm-hmm. The Dark Age do make a good combo uh, they, they don't, you know. They obviously have similar themes, but they're they're quite different episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Just in feeling, yeah. but mm-hmm. I, I like both of them. And this one, this one, there is a lot of problems with the storyline, but I like the character, uh, the building. The other one has tons of Giles, so automatically, oh, I'm gonna yeah. Do better. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah. David said they bookend well, and that's really true because they're both about people confronting things. Yeah. So, you know, sort of confronting things, especially Giles, confronting things in their past. Yeah. But also dealing with them and, and trying mm-hmm. to move past mm-hmm. it as well. Right. Which maybe is the reason they're seemingly so character driven yeah. rather than. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, this, like I say, yeah, I mean, I, I, you may you may have noticed I have problems with this episode. Um, yeah. Another same. one which I, you know, just realized is why does why does ford try to take out one of the vampires at the end he he whacks the he in fact the vampire that he earlier let go the one who steals the book he whacks her with a crowbar why does he do that i don't know this is what you want dude i I thought you were on their side on that yeah anyway but but the fact of the matter is this episode is worth it 
simply for the final scene. Yes. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. I I will yeah. say I you know how I'm always like Buffy is so good at like strategy on the fly. Her getting out of it by threatening Drew is really mm-hmm. yep. like, and that is like yeah. a quick split second judgment of you know us and a good line assessing her yeah assessing her position assessing the room and really mm-hmm. you know honing in it's it's really again yeah. Buffy is really yeah. good at that kind of strategy and thinking on her feet. Also, can I, this is just a throwback before, and I'm sorry, this is like a tangent, so maybe it'll get cut out, but I just did my notes, speaking of Drusilla, like nobody has said anything about the dead parrot joke in this. No. (laughs) Dumb and dumber. Yeah, even like, even like reading like stuff online and, you know, like all the the pop culture references, nobody mentions the goddamn dead parrot joke, and I kept waiting for Spike to say, this is an ex-parrot. Sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, whatever. It's still an ex-bird. Yes. And it's dead. And it's not going to boom if they put 90,000 bucks in it. It's pining for fields! So. <laughs> okay. Oh my god. Anyway, so yes. But good strategy yeah. on um, Buffy's part. Uh, it, well, I'm going to say okay strategy. Because I mean, like, okay, it does work out really well for Buffy. But the fact that she spent the whole beginning of this episode jealous of Drusilla and then threatens to kill her at the end of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And also, okay. I want to know... Um, why the fuck isn't Buffy going back into that bomb shelter, like to kill the vampires? <laughs> because they're all stuck in a they're all stuck in a in a bomb shelter. You know, you've lit buildings on fire before, Buffy. <laughs> I don't know how easy it would be to burn down a bomb shelter. Open up, you open. I was just gonna say they're like usually concrete and steel and like. Well, you could open up the That's door and throw really a ball. I mean, from the outside, in. no. Molotov cocktail in there. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> because yeah, I mean, just getting some light and be like, well, yes, I know that. But if we're going to be really picky <laughs> about Ford, then we can be picky about Buffy leaving Spike and Drew alive. No, you're right. There, oh, yeah. There should have yeah. been things they could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, so ultimately, problematic as- episode as a whole, but the, the finite details. Um, where they're not mm-hmm. lacking are yeah and david's right it really is worth it for that last scene with buffy yes, and giles it is so it. beautiful yeah. so beautiful mm-hmm. and it just yeah, he's so gentle with buffy when she needs it he can be firm and he can you know but mm-hmm. he allows her and he can space and he listens and encourages sometimes without even trying to give advice he just is present which is really what people need a lot of times is just to be present and and simply the yeah and just the simple fact that throughout the episode buffy is like i need to know the truth i need to know the truth uh she even says to uh to uh to angel uh like i can take the truth and of course i wanted to shout back you can't handle the, you truth. Can't handle the truth but uh, but but yeah. throughout the thing and then at the end when she says to giles lie to me that is so I, I don't quite know what word to use, but it is is poignant. yes poignant. It, it, yeah. It's just it's like it's like I I have to have the truth. I have to, and she finally realizes that sometimes that well to to be fair, Angel was right. Sometimes the truth is worse. But that's actually part of the. I think that's part oh, of the yes, absolute product. I mean, just of the fact that you've suddenly realized that sometimes you little white lies or big lies mm. are actually better than what's facing but, the but actual But it's also reality. a little, a little yeah. bit heartbreaking 
seeing her have yeah, it is. It's not not that yeah. I mean, she has to come to that realization, she has to mature. But the act of actually giving into that is mm-hmm. really just pulls on the heartstrings because it's 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 one of those moments where you're just like, No, I have to I well I mean, in, in large terms, I, I have to change my worldview because mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I just something that has to happen and I have to I have to become a different person absolutely I, I think that's a wonderful sentiment mm-hmm. and you really sort of I think hit what I would have said in um, babbling words mm-hmm. so thank you <laughs> I, I tried not to babble it was it was hard but oh you nailed it uh, MC you got any music actually notes? I could not find what the music was in this episode I mean oh I've got it there are a couple of songs and the Sisters of Mercy song yeah. So for sure, yeah. And of course, they talk about I touch myself. Yeah. So, and yeah, so we do, <laughs> we do make a playlist. Part. We do make a playlist like a, you know, Return of the Hellmouth official Buffy playlist. Even though it's not actually in this show, mm, I'm, I'm putting put it on there. Yeah, that has to be. <laughs> yeah, hold on, I'm pulling it up. I actually will get the music notes. Not that it's a big deal, but um, okay. It was Willoughby Lo- Lois on the Brink that was played as Xander and Willow play pool at the with Ford at the Bronze Sisters of Mercy Neverland um, Creaming Jesus Reptile that was uh, when Willow Xander and Angel go into the Sunset Club and then original score by Christoph Beck alright cool so that's <laughs> that's from Buffy.Wikia.com just mm. for credits well, <laughs> I think we've reached the end of this episode we all kind of agree yeah, that you know it's you know yep. episode with problems yeah. but pretty good and so next time we'll be reviewing the dark age until then grr arg grr arg grr arg grr arg I always hate being last grr <laughs> We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast, and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at HellmouthReturn, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Also, be sure to rate our show on iTunes and Stitcher. See you on Tuesday for the Dark Age. Grr, arg.